Welcome to the Kara's Curious Digital Show and Podcast. This is where we explore the leading edge of wellness, and today's show is sponsored by the Center for Advanced Reproductive Services. So do you know the four pillars of a healthy mind? Psychologist Dr. Laura Saunders is my guest today to share the four pillars and, I love this, an easy way to incorporate a three-minute technique to improve our mental health every day. Welcome, Dr. Saunders. Thank you for having me, Kara. Yeah, I like thinking of uh, things in numbers. So let's talk about the four pillars for, first. There are actually four pillars to help us have a healthy mind. There are. I mean, there probably could be 20, but I like to keep things fairly simple so that we can make things you know, more transferable to actually doing it. Um, I mean, here's the reality. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of anxiety. COVID has just made things so much harder for so many families and, and, and kids. Um, and I've been listening to like podcasts lately and, and Ted talks as a way to just kind of refresh my own mind and body. Um, so I saw a Ted talk by, um, uh, psychologist and neuroscientist, Richard Davidson. Um, and he's come up with the four pillars of a healthy mind. So here they are. You ready? Yes. Awareness, connection, insight, and purpose. So awareness, connection, insight, and purpose. And I can, you know, talk, we can talk a little bit more about each of those. Yeah, well, let's start with awareness. Um, that refers to our ability to focus our attention. We've become a society that, you know, we, we have screens in front of us. We have, you know, some people, uh, I know several people at work that have two different computer screens. They have things going up on different computer screens. So it's like we get so much information, really information overload. Um, and so the ability to focus our attention on one thing and start to train our mind to be more focused. And one of the ways to do that is through mindfulness. And generally we call it mindfulness practice. It could also be called meditation, but I think people get scared off when they hear meditation because they think, oh, my God, I'm going to have to sit quietly in a room, a dark room for, you know, for hours holding my, my hands in the air. So, um, but, but mindfulness is a practice whereby you train and develop the skill of having a little bit more focus. And I, I love, uh, we'll get to the other pillars, but since you brought this up, you have a three-minute practice that can really be quite life-changing, especially if you do it every day, because anything we do every day is changing for us. So just three minutes, we all have three minutes. And, and what's your suggestion to improve our mindfulness muscle? So the, you know, as I said, people hear mindfulness or meditation, they think, oh, I got to do this for hours a day. You start with something very simple and very doable, just three minutes a day. And you don't even have to set a timer, but your plan is just for three minutes where you sit in a comfortable position in a room with a comfortable temperature. Um, generally, you like to have your feet on the floor and be sitting like in a, in a chair or something that gives you support in your back and your legs. And, and you can take a phrase. You can take something that is, um, you know, easy to remember. I, I'll share the one that I use in that it has four repeated phrases. I am loved. I am healthy, I am safe, and I am okay, right? And so, and, and even if you don't feel loved and even if you don't feel safe, you're bringing them in as intentions. And when, when you, you lose it, because then typically what I always go to is my grocery list, right? Oh, I got to pick this up, I got to do this. Um, you just come back to, uh, you know, the, the four sentences. And you can pick one or two, you can pick one thing. It's not 
about doing it the, the right way or the only way. It's about doing it in a way that works for you. And so just three minutes, you bring, bring those phrases back to you. If your mind drifts, you come, you know, you come back to them. I am loved. I am safe. I am healthy. I am okay. Um, and then, so that's a pretty simple way huh. to just keep up some practice. And, you know, this is something we can teach our kids, too. And that's what's so hard uh, when we want to teach this kind of thing to even a teenager who they can't even, like, when they're not doing something that they have to do, they want to look at their phone. Let's be clear. We're not doing mindfulness while we look at our phone and then just repeating things while we scroll, right? It means we really are just in this moment. So that's building that awareness and that's building that calm muscle. Yes. And, and it's really, it's, it's just an ability to focus our attention. It just brings our energy level down. And again, what I always like to emphasize is that, is that this is about practice. It's not about even the three minutes that you're for three minutes, you're going to do it perfectly. It's about practice. I shared that, you know, my mind drifts. Oh, I've got to pick this up from the store or I need to do this later. That's what happens in it, you know, with so many of, of busy people. But the practice is I, I catch my mind drifting and I come back to, I am safe. I am at peace. I am loved. I am, I am healthy. Or, yeah. You know, and again, I picked four things and I, I actually altered them slightly. So it doesn't have to be done in, in one particular way. Yeah, I love that. Okay. And think of your thoughts a little bit more like weather, but I love that you clarify that when we sit and do mindfulness or when we sit and do meditation, uh, a lot of people will say, well, I can't do that. I can't quiet my, I, I always am thinking. We always are going to think there's, uh, uh, right? And even the Dalai Lama probably has thoughts going on. It's just our ability to watch them instead of become them. Exactly. So we're not expecting perfect attention. We're practicing the skill of mindfulness, which is bringing our attention back to, to ourselves. And it really, it could just be breathing, right? I'm breathing in for a count of three or four. I'm breathing out for a count of three or four. I mean, something that just helps you focus your attention. I tend to use kind of a mantra or phrase, but whatever works for that person. And, and you don't have to do it for an hour a day. You start with three minutes. And I think what you'll find over time is that your body just relaxes a little bit more and you just do it for a longer period of time. Because you actually like it and it feels good, so which is good. <laughs> then we want to do things that feel good, right? <laughs> um, and num- number two, you talk about connection. And connection is uh, anything that helps us nurture positive relationships. So, um, yeah, I mean, I could go on and on about this. I, I myself am a pretty social person, so I love connection. But for even people that it's a little bit more um, uncomfortable, the sense of connection means that we understand things that are outside of ourselves. It gives us opportunities to um, realize that we're not alone in our feelings, that we have other people. Wow, someone else had a similar experience and they felt similarly. So that kind of connection is very grounding and really helpful in terms of reducing a feeling of isolation. Yeah. And the number three would be insight. And that means understanding the narrative we have about ourselves. I mean, I think it's kind of we talked about this before, but we all have sort of like an angry roommate in our head. We kind of have to understand that we might not want to listen to everything we think. So, right, we could I could do a whole segment on how to reduce negative self statements. Right. That that self judgment that we have about ourselves 
when we really don't have that about someone else, right? Those negative thoughts that we have um, and, and really developing insight is about understanding, like, like, for example, if you have a lot of negative self-statements, where that came from, did that come from, you know, our childhood? Did it come from a, a partner or, or spouse who was really harsh with us? Did it come from a sense of failure in work? A lot of times those, these negative self-statements come from somewhere else, but the insight as part of the four pillars is really understanding and taking time to reflect in that narrative about ourselves. Um, sometimes we call it theory of mind. It's the ability to understand your own mind and relate to other people. Um, but insight in particular is really about understanding that narrative about ourselves and sort of how, how we got to the place that we're in. So I'm curious, is that a developmental thing? Because I know you're a child psychologist. If you try to, as adults, we want to really understand our thoughts and understand that maybe we aren't always our thoughts. Do kids have that ability? Well, on a developmental spectrum, they have less of it when they're younger and they hopefully develop more of it during their adolescence. Although I think there's a lot of high school kids that don't have much insight, but that's a discussion for another time. (laughs) Um, So, so the, the goal is to like be reflective and, and as a parent, you know, that's modeling. Wow. Um, something happened to me today at work and I felt really angry and frustrated, right? So you're modeling how something happens and this is how I feel. So talking about that kind of stuff openly helps your kids see, wow, there's a connection between sort of behavior and, and thoughts and emotions. And that sort of connection is, is part of developing insight over time. And the fourth pillar is, from a healthy mind, is purpose. The sense that our life is headed in a healthy direction. And so even when we've gone through so much of the pandemic, maybe you've lost a job or you've lost this, uh, if you have a sense of purpose or hope, it can really be healing? So that's exactly it. I often reference purpose as a feeling of hope, right? There's nothing worse than hopelessness that feeling without hope that nothing will get better. And purpose doesn't always mean that everything that you do has to be part of like the grand purpose. Doing laundry may not feel very purposeful, but doing laundry is completing a task in the course of the day that is part of your purpose as a parent or, you know, part of your purpose as an individual who just wants to be clean and organized. So, So understanding that even the little things that we do are in fact connected to a larger purpose and feeling like it has meaning attached to it. Well, even in the, the world of uh, yoga, meditation, or Buddhist, right? They say, uh, I think, maybe, did this come from the Karate Kid or something like that? They talk about, you know, before enlightenment, you chop wood and carry water. After enlightenment, you chop wood and carry water. So I, when you're dealing with people who are going through depression or anxiety, is it actually important that we keep those routines we do the dishes and do the laundry even though we don't want to so often when people are very depressed or or highly anxious right they lose um i call it sort of the structure in your day right that you get up and you have something to eat and then you you know do a a task or you go to work that the more we can keep even that day-to-day structure that is part of our greater purpose and our purpose might be that we you know in any kind of a a job or or career that you're working in Um, and so the more we can keep ourselves moving forward even if we don't necessarily know what our purpose is in that day very often if 
as you take a step forward, that purpose becomes a little bit more evident to you over time, right? And that's, again, connected back to insight and awareness and a sense of connection. So, but holding on to that purpose, having a sense of there's a, there's a meaning to my life and what do I need to do to create meaning? I don't care if you're knitting. You can be knitting and feel like knitting is a good way for me to create a sense of calm. Well, then that's part of your purpose. So it doesn't always have to be part of a, a hugely greater uh, purpose. Right. And so that's a lot of us think, oh, I'm missing my what's my purpose or something should be bigger. Or, I should have done more right now. But in in reality, that might be just looking and social media probably has a lot to do that looking at what some people have achieved. And um, it, it's the really the little things that are going to give us that satisfaction. Yes. And and right. You know, I always get a little worked up when people do a lot of social comparison. And that's what happens with social media. Right. You look at someone else's life and you say, oh, my goodness, they have a beautiful relationship with their spouse or they or their partner and they have they have the children that are so smart and achieving all these things and I don't have those things in my life which is actually not true because you're looking at someone else's highlight reel every family has issues so you know not to always do that social comparison because that makes you lose your sense of of purpose and connection to to yourself so you know being focused on what do I need to do today to help myself what do I need to do today to help my family? That kind of creates a sense of purpose. So we can start right now with maybe just a simple purpose. And, and maybe you'll get, I find that when I do this, when I settle down, you also get those great creative ideas that lead you to something else. But even doing that three minutes of mindfulness, whether it be in the morning or before you go to bed, maybe keeping a little journal, these are things that if you're thinking, well, gosh, I don't know what my purpose is, or gosh, I don't, having that quiet time, having that time to center and create those healthy pillars in our mind could really make a big difference for us. I always say that it's that, you know, it's in the little things, right? I don't need to like move to Florida and make this major life change to improve the quality of my life. It's the little things I need to, you know, write in a diary. I need to, you know, increase my mindfulness practice. I need to, maybe I need to get up a little earlier and spend some time alone to exercise, right? It's doing things in little ways, that we have control over, that's what helps kind of increase our, our purpose and sense of connection to something greater. Um, and, you know, while I have actually had a client say to me, because we do a lot of mindfulness practice here, uh, I had a client say to me the other day, while the world may be complicated, it's such a simple solution, right? That doing the small things is really a part of creating a greater sense of purpose. And I think it makes people feel good, too, because it's doable. This is not stuff that costs a lot of money. This is not stuff of when I get X, Y, and Z, I'll be happy. Um, I like to say that, you know, it's, we all have our daily grind, and I find ways to make it a more sacred grind. But it could be just the way you're drinking your tea. Changing the things you're already doing can bring a lot more of that healthiness to your mind. It really is the simple things that we have a better sense of control over, right? You know, I could do mindfulness practice while I am folding laundry, right? I'm folding it a certain way. I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about the fabric that I'm touching. I mean, you know, I could go through all these different things, but doing things with a, with a little bit more awareness, having a sense of connection to something outside of you, developing some insight. Oh, you know, folding laundry reminds me how, how my mother folded laundry, right? And so all those things come back to those four pillars, awareness, connection, insight, and purpose. And if we can just focus on some small things that we have a sense of control over, it will improve the quality of our life a little bit at a time.
So, yeah, yeah, as you said, awareness, connection, insight, and purpose. Now, sometimes when you do this, when you start to take a little bit more notice of what's happening on the inside, you might notice some things that need healing and could be difficult, right? Things start to come up. What do you do when you, uh, perhaps some trauma is coming up or this, you realize you have this chronic feeling of I'm less than or, or something? Well, if, if, if there, if it's sort of what I call like a low level, like I feel unsatisfied, I feel, you know, this, something's not working in my life. Try to make a connection, you know, talk to a, a family member, talk to a friend, talk to a coworker whom you like, try to make a sense of connection and start the process of sharing, releasing those negative thoughts and feelings. If it's, if it's really big and deep, then we look towards mental health professionals. You know, usually your, your pediatrician can help you if it's your kids or your primary care. They often have referral sources. Um, you know, you can call a place like the Institute of Living. We certainly have a lot of resources here. Um, but if it's, it's small, start with a smaller connection, right? Sharing something with someone that you don't typically share, that allows someone to relate to you and then feel like it's okay for them to share things, you know, pain or, or things that have gone on in their life. Um, I think sometimes isolation is the hugest barrier to making connections. Um, so start with someone you, you know, if you don't have that, or if you feel like it's too big or too deep, then reach out for more professional help. Great advice as always, Dr. Saunders. Thank you so much for sharing the pillars, the four pillars of a healthy mind. I'm going to remember as soon as I'm done with you to maybe take my three minutes the three minutes and create a sense of purpose and meaning. Thank you. And for all of you who are watching this, you know, as soon as it ends, we're going to encourage you just take those three minutes right now. That could be a wonderful way to start. Uh, thank you, Dr. Saunders. As uh, Dr. Laura Saunders said, she's available at the Institute of Living. There's a lot of great resources there, a premier organization uh, right in Hartford, Connecticut. Um, if you want more information like this, you can always watch Kara's Cures. We have lots of episodes on the leading edge of wellness right here on the WFSB streaming news app. You can also listen on my podcast, Kara's Cures, wherever you download your podcast and follow me on social media at Kara Sundlin. I will share them there. Have a great day and be well.